D-S-N-Y. Had to, oh. I just had to show it off before I started recording. Just make sure that nobody ever finds out that I actually do have hair that occasionally needs to get cut. I know I know. Caroline will be very happy to find out that I got a haircut for once. Absolutely. As you can see, I'm depositing a check right now. I'm, I'm online. Oh, my God. <laughs> online banking here. Oh, I should do that. I still I moved out of my apartment like a month and a half ago, and I still haven't deposited the security deposit check. So I, I got to get on top of that. You got to do what you got to do when you do it, you know? I do. I mean, this is the time. We have no we have no Yankees baseball. Uh, it's Thursday night, I guess. Oh, who is it? Giants-Eagles tonight for football? Yeah. Yeah, nobody cares about that. Uh, there's no World Series tonight. We're going back to having off days, which sucks because I just haven't – I don't know what to do all day, especially even when the World Series first started. I was like, I don't know. How am I going to make it to 8 o'clock today without, like – anything to do do i just re-watch one of the shows i've already watched a hundred times do i commit to watching something new i don't know i'm pretty bad with with committing on things like that there's so many movies i have just lined up on a list that i really want to watch but i feel like it's like once i watch them they can never just be hyped up they can never just be this awesome movie that i can't wait to see it has the potential to disappoint me Everything has the potential to disappoint you, James. Like Not if you never watch the movie, though. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. It's the same thing with the Yankees season. Every year it says it has the potential to disappoint me. And this was another year where I was disappointed by the Yankees season. So all the weeks just tend to blur together when there's really nothing to look forward to. I know that sounds super depressing, and I'm really sorry about that. But I just wanted to mention, because I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week, I'm in a survivor pool, pool for football. So basically, in case nobody knows, the survivor pool is where you pick a team that you are pretty positive is going to win that week. And you only pick one team. If they win, you're still in. If they lose, you know, there's different rules and stuff like that. But the winner at the end is, is supposed to get a nice chunk of change. Well, we started a double elimination pool. Week one, I picked the 49ers and they ended up losing to the Cardinals. That was Ooh. a very poor pick. So already I'm in the hole. I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna, I have to win the rest of the way out. Like, there's no way. I have to tell you, James, my point differential, it's now what, week seven? Mm-hmm. My point differential. So like my team that I picked every week, I have to pick a different team every week. Total, the point differential this season is 12 Oh, so you are just barely hanging on. <laughs> Every single week, the group chat is like, all right, so this person's out, this person's still alive. Allison, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but it's working. With your back against the wall and elimination already on the board. Oh, man. Did you pick the Cardinals to win this week? Um, I didn't pick anyone this week. In fact, my boyfriend was telling me that him and one of the other guys in the pool had a bet so that if I picked tonight's game – and I picked it right within three points, I would get my first win back. But I was like, but if I oh. lose, I'm done. Like, Oh, man. Uh, just as a, as a true 
Giants fan in that I only watch it when they're good and I really don't know anything about football, I would bet on the Eagles. I don't, the Giants are so bad. That's what I said too. And I was like, but I'm not picking tonight's game because if I lose, I'm out. And it's just, the odds are not in my favor there. Um, but I will tell you that all the teams I've picked, like I picked the freaking Steelers last week and they just barely beat the Eagles. I was like, this is supposed to be an easy game. I don't understand. Every single team I've picked has won by like one or three points. You're still alive. That's all that matters. You have survived the survivor pool. Sort of. For now. It's pretty impressive if you think about it. I mean, 12 point differential. The person in first place has like a 75 point differential. I have a 12 point differential. That's like the fantasy football equivalent of just having like the worst team. Like they score like a hundred points every week and you just happen every week. You just run into somebody who's having a bad week and they only score like 80. And it's like, yeah, like my team is terrible that we should be in last place. We have the worst points for in the entire league, but I'm undefeated. Doesn't make any sense. I, just, I guess I'm just, I'm lucky right now. I should go play the lottery. Now, we have another thing that doesn't make any sense, but let me introduce the podcast first. This is episode 77 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, and Warwick Gaming. As always, brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. And the thing that we cannot believe this week, I mean, we can believe it, but most people can't. Clint Frazier, Gold Glove finalist. Let's go. Victory lap forever. Victory lap forever on Clint Frazier. I absolutely did not see this coming where he would be a finalist for gold glove. Uh, I looked at the OAA leaderboards. It's actually, actually doing pretty well. He's in the top five of the league. He's second in the American league. Uh, he's probably not going to win. Joey Gallo will probably win. Um, but I mean, what a, what a huge step forward for Clint. What a turnaround. I mean, We've talked about this all season long. Clint Frazier, we are all aboard the Clint Frazier hype train. And just to go from where he was last year, where people were begging him to be traded, they said, do not put this man in the outfield, to being a gold glove finalist when, another problem, DJ LeMahieu is not a gold glove finalist, but you know, DJ LeMahieu is not a gold glove finalist. And Clint Frazier is. Who could have seen that? Who had that on their 2020 bingo cards? I certainly didn't. Hat on the back, 2020, treating Clint Frazier real well while it's just shitting on everyone else. So, Clint, boy, I'm proud of him. That is amazing what he did. Absolutely. And Gio Urshela also got a nod at third base. Uh, he probably has the best chance to win. Uh, at third, uh, given that Matt Chapman missed the entire year with an injury. Any other year, it's, I mean, it's Matt Chapman to lose. That guy's a, a multiple platinum glove winner, the best defender in baseball by far. Um, but I mean, who knows? Maybe Matt Chapman's down this year. The competition's not too steep. Uh, the thing with this gold glove finalist year is it's all about small sample size, 60 games. It's really not a lot to be able to tell how good somebody is defensively. Uh, so there are some upsets. There are some snubs. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., first of all, biggest snub on the entire, in the entire history of the award. By any metric, Fernando Tatis Jr. was the best shortstop in the National League. And uh, just overall, by outs above average, the best defender in baseball at any position was Fernando Tatis Jr. Best shortstop, best NL shortstop, and he's just not even on the finalist list. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Yeah, that was definitely a snub for sure. And 
I was so excited to see Gio on the on the ballot just because this guy for his entire career just in general under the radar defensively and the Yankees saw that potential on offense they knew he was a great defender but they didn't quite know what to expect on offense they worked with him they fixed it they made him a complete all-around player he was the reason the Yankees made it past Cleveland um you know it's just I love you Rochella I'm so happy for him even if he doesn't win just being included in the conversation but you're right I do feel like he really does have a good opportunity to win and I would love to see oh I, I was gonna swear can't do it. I would love to see Gio Urshela just, just do this. Like he is going to be a name that we're going to talk about for years and years to come. People are going to be like, who's Gio Urshela? Let me like, sit down grandkids. Let me tell you all about the cutest man in all of baseball. Not Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade is the most adorable man in all of baseball. Most handsome man and the fastest, most handsome and most fastest. Right. So give Gio some credit here. He is the cutest man in all of baseball and he could have, he could be a gold glove winner. Like, it's not just the looks. It's not just the cuteness. Like, he knows what he's doing out there. Absolutely. And what a, what a two years for Gio Urshela, getting DFA'd by the Indians, then getting traded to the Yankees for cash considerations. Like, that's, I mean, that's such a slap in the face to a player. Like, yeah, you're really not even worth getting back. Like, even a prospect, even somebody we have pretty much no faith in, we're just going to sell you to somebody else. And it worked out for him. Gio Urshela has established himself as an all-star caliber third baseman, gold glove potential caliber third baseman, great hitter, uh, all for the Yankees who needed him desperately. They truly did. And honestly, I feel like Gio needed the Yankees more than the Yankees needed him. And oh, it just it, may, it reminds me of those like stories where people are reunited with their lost pets and they're all so happy. Absolutely. Um, okay, so congratulations to Clint Frazier. Uh, so we can continue to take our victory lap and Gio Urshela. Uh, that's a bummer for DJ, but let's just remember it was a small sample size. So DJ has plenty of time to right the ship in 2021 and take Clint Frazier's spot in the finalist section. Uh, also, Masahiro Tanaka wants a gold glove so badly. He was not a <sighs> finalist this year, but he, when he found man. out he wasn't a finalist, he tweeted out the sad faces. I was like, oh, poor man. Poor man. Just give the man a gold glove. At one point in his career, he has to get one. He is such a slick fielding pitcher. It's amazing to watch him play. He earned it. He earned a gold glove. Give it to him. Yeah. Absolutely. Like maybe we could have like a gold glove longevity award, like the most consistent. Because I feel like as he gets older, he gets better on defense. And that usually does not happen with pitchers. Mm-mm. Uh, speaking of pitchers, the other big news from this week, Marcus Stroman, he wants to be a Yankee so, so badly. Last year, gonna, yeah. last year at the trade deadline, he was begging for it. Uh, this year, uh, begging about it the entirely wrong way. <laughs> but. Oh, man. He just, he's, he's playing the role of let me make fun of the Yankees so bad. But, like, I want to be a part of this. Like, he... He's made it pretty obvious he wants to be on the Yankees, and I'm sure he was kind of pissed off when free agency didn't work his way, but guy wants to be a Yankee. He is going to make fun of the Yankees until the day he gets signed by the Yankees. Not saying that that might actually happen, but if he does get signed by the Yankees, he's going to love New York more than anyone. I mean, he already was on the Mets, but that's, you know, 
Yeah, I would bet almost anything that the Yankees don't sign. I mean, you look back at the trade deadline from last year and everyone's clamoring, like, give me Marcus Stroman, give me Marcus Stroman. And the Yankees are like, oh, well, we don't really see him as a viable rotation option going forward. He might be like a bullpen guy for us come playoff time. And he didn't like that. He ended up getting traded to the Mets. Uh, didn't really do anything for them this year. Uh, reached his minimum service time for free agency and then bounced, opted out of the season. Uh, good for him for playing the system. I mean, I like Marcus Stroman a lot. I think he's a, I think he's a pretty good pitcher. I like him a lot. Um, but I mean, the Yankees are already questioning whether they want to spend any money on new assets this year. We're looking at fillers. We're looking at bringing back people we already have, and we're looking at fillers in spots that we don't have uh, locked down yet. So I just I don't see them giving Marcus Stroman like a five-year contract. <laughs> Um, also, did you see that uh, one Domingo Herman commented on the post? Yeah, I'm just trying to ignore that Domingo Herman exists. I'm still, I'm, I'm, per, I'm out on Domingo Herman. He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. If we traded him and he didn't pitch for us next year, I'd be totally fine with that. Even if we didn't really get much in return, be like, whatever. He was a bad guy. We didn't want him. Right. I mean, just in general, the whole Marcus Stroman thing, I, I'm big on Marcus Stroman. I do like him. I just, it's one of the things, and I was talking about this with my mother the other day. My mom grew up a Yankees fan, so she's been watching the Yankees for, I'm not going to say how old she is, but she has been watching the Yankees her entire life. And she and I were discussing yesterday how really everyone that you see, Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, everyone's just talking to the media, talking however they want to talk, sometimes unprofessionally too. And I'm just like, I think we've ended the days where like, there's the nice guy, Joe Torrey, like the, that type of professionalism. Like the Yankees are in an organization all their own. They're in a class all their own, just in terms of handling the media, handling scandals, things like that. And I've come to realize over the past couple of years that there are a lot of players and actually the majority of players out there who just will not shut up about, you know, whatever is going on. They will speak their minds and the Yankees just don't do that. So for me, I'm like, Ooh, I don't want this guy on my team because he's just going to talk to the media. However he wants to talk to the media. And I feel like I'm super biased. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> you just yes, answered your own question. Yes, it is true. I'm super biased. No, I mean, for guys like this, Stroman and, and Trevor Bauer, what they do for the game is amazing. Uh, Stroman with the, with the on-field antics, Bauer with the off-field antics. Like, that's the pitcher's equivalent of a bat flip, and people love to see it. But when it comes to the Yankees, uh, there's just a little bit more hatred towards it because we have a lot of old-school fans who don't want to go that way, and then you're looking at, oh, I don't know, maybe Marcus Stroman becomes a problem in the media. I don't think he would. I think Trevor Bauer would become, at some point, if we signed him, a problem within the media which is a distraction for the team and it's just i hate saying quote unquote the yankee way i think that's the stupidest phrase in the entire world it's just not the yankee way it should it shouldn't be i i the yankees should be able to sign these guys and not worry about what they say in the media the new york media is parasitic us included um but it's just i don't think really? it's ever gonna happen <laughs> I've never done anything like that, okay? But listen, I didn't ever want to say that I'm an old school Yankees fan because I was always like, oh, you know, I'm a younger girl. Like, I love the sport. I'm watching all these other players come up, but I, I think I am. 
I think I'm an old school fan. I'm the fan that expects professionalism from this organization. And as soon as like these big name players come up, I don't want them because I don't want them talking to the media and representing the Yankees. Is that bad? Maybe, but I guess I'm just an old school fan and I didn't realize it until right this moment. I am shooketh. I'm shook. Shooketh. Shooketh. I'm shook. Like I had no idea that I was like this. Mm. So then you're going to hate the next topic. Uh, the Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner hasn't given Brian Cashman a payroll goal yet. And there's been a few rumblings that they might be trying to get under 210 to reset the luxury tax. And anytime you say, quote unquote, reset the luxury tax, the old school fans go fucking nuts. Are you going fucking nuts, Allison? Not yet. I'm not yet. I can tell you that. Um, you know, when it comes to the Yankees and spending money, obviously, that's another part of the organization. I'm just used to them throwing money everywhere. Once again, I'm spoiled. I'm biased. Like, that's something where if the Rays did it, I'd be like, oh, my God, how annoying. And then the Yankees do it, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. You know, we just want to win a World Series. It's whatever. The, the big thing that bothers me is if the Yankees, for whatever reason, are unable to re-sign DJ LeMahieu, then I'm pissed off. No, you have to re-sign DJ LeMahieu. You have to re-sign Masahiro Tanaka. You probably have to give a pretty good run at James Paxton. Uh, there's going to be a point where you say, all right, the risk is just too much for the possible reward here. Uh, but he's going to get a dirt cheap one-year contract. There is no reason that the Yankees shouldn't be in on trying to bring James Paxton back for next year on a, on a good value deal. I think so too. And I know we've discussed that a few times and I feel like the feeling only gets stronger as the off season looms closer. I keep wanting to say continues, but there's still baseball. So it's not the off season. It's, yet. it's our off season. It might as well be the off season for right. us. I'm like watching, I'm watching the Dodgers and the Rays and I'm just kind of thinking like, I'm just I'm just soaking up every minute of baseball. Like I'm not really interested in how the series turns out. Oh God, no. I'm just soaking up every minute of baseball before we go back to the infinite void of nothingness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's good to have that sport, especially because football seems to be um, in a little bit of trouble with all the, you know, stuff. 2020 stuff. Oh yeah, 2020 I mean, bad year. That's how I'm going to refer to it from now on. It's not foot stuff. It's 2020 stuff. Oh, who who brought up foot stuff this week? Uh, uh, oh, Cody Bellinger. Oh, when he did Bellinger. the he okay. did the foot taps because he he dislocated his shoulder celebrating his home run in the NLCS. So when he hit one in Game One of the World Series, he did toe taps with his teammates instead. And I kept saying foot stuff, and I honestly could never have predicted the amount of times that quote unquote foot stuff would be said in the 2020 MLB postseason between Luke Voigt and Cody Bellinger. I never expected to hear foot stuff more than five times. So really funny story. Um, I got one of those fancy craft machines and I've been trying to make wine glasses with like putting sayings on them. And I was like, there must be a market for people that want baseball sayings on wine glasses like pure yankee sayings like i want a guardy party wine glass that i can drink out of when brett gardner is hitting home runs if we won't talk about that but you know something like that and i'm literally like i would also want a wine glass that said i'm dealing with some foot stuff because <laughs> 
It's funny. It is. I mean, it's just an, it's now a 2020 inside joke when you look back at the years and you say, well, what what really symbolized this season for the Yankees? Uh, 2017, it was the thumbs down shirt. 2020, it was Luke Voigt's foot stuff. Ah, uh, Luke Voigt. What will we do without the man? Also not right. getting traded. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So I want to hear your take on this next topic because, you know, I have things to say about it. Uh, which one is that? Which one do you want to go to next? Which one is next, James? Uh, stop saying the Yankees lost because they play small ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I've made I've made this very clear over the past few days, and the Rays and the Dodgers have also made it very clear. Just being in the World Series, being analytically driven, analytics are not the reason that the Yankees are not in the World Series. So just. Just stop. I've, I've had enough. I've had enough. I, I, hands up. Like, I, I'm done. I'm done hearing about how the Yankees don't play small ball. They don't bunt. They don't steal. Guess what? That's how you fucking lose games. That's how you fucking lose games. If you try to play like that when other teams are playing the analytics game, it, the game is not built for that anymore. It was a lot easier to do that, you know, 20 years ago when – relievers couldn't just come out and gas 98 like it's no fucking problem the rise of elite pitching has far surpassed the rise of elite hitting so what do you do how do you deal with that well against a really elite pitcher like a Blake Snell like a Tyler Glass now like a Charlie Morton you're not going to string hits together it's not going to happen you have to draw walks and you have to punish mistakes and it doesn't always mean a home run uh, the Dodgers this week, they actually did string some hits together off glass now when he was left in entirely too long. All the way up to, like, I think he threw 114 pitches. And the last 20 of them, after every at-bat, after every at-bat I was turning to my brother and being like, all right, they, they need to take him out now, right? This is done. He's done for the day. But they just wouldn't. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to act like the Dodgers stringing five hits together off Tyler Glass now at 100 pitches is an accurate representation of how baseball should be played. It's not. Is it exciting? Sure. It's fun to see people get hits. It's fun to see people steal bases. The thing that's more exciting, though, is watching your team win the fucking game. All right. So just a quick question, because I just feel like saying this. Um so um are are you gonna celebrate um uh, free taco day i'm just i'm just wondering free taco i'm not gonna celebrate free taco day not because of a hatred of stolen bases because i love Mm -hmm. stolen bases and honestly mookie betts is great fantastic thank you for providing america with free tacos you really did everybody a service there it's more of the fact of what comes after the free taco from Taco hmm. Bell that I'm not looking forward to. I'd like to hmm. avoid the part after the taco. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Because I'm just saying, I saw on your itinerary that you wanted to talk about Mookie Betts getting people free tacos. And the only way he got people free tacos is by stealing base. Absolutely. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So I, there are there are times to steal a base, especially against a guy like Glass now, when it's pretty easy to take that extra base because he's six seven. He has a high leg kick. Like there comes a point where the numbers say you are way more likely to make it to second base and and get yourself an extra ninety feet than you are to get thrown out. 
And they took advantage of that multiple times because Glass now can't keep runners on. We saw the same thing with Dellen Batanzas for the Yankees. As soon as somebody got on base, they might as well have been on second. Mookie, base, Mookie Betts, one of the fastest runners in the game. Tyler Glass now one of the slowest to the plate. At that point, the analytics say, yeah, take that base. You're going to make it. So, obviously, okay, this is my take. Um, so, obviously, home runs are a huge, huge, huge part of the game. The New York Yankees scored the majority of their runs on home runs. Absolutely. Totally fine with that. Like, I, I'm not one of those people that's like, stop hitting home runs and start hitting singles. My problem is you have enough of those guys, uh, especially on the Yankees, that are hit or miss. You're either hitting a home run or you're striking out. And I feel like their swings are now tailored just for the home run instead of being tailored more towards, hey, let's try and sneak this into opposite field. I could be mistaken, but from what I saw, especially in the playoffs for the Yankees, everything was home run, home run, home run. They had a decent amount of runners that worked walks. Aaron Hicks, for example, basically worked a walk almost every time he came up to the plate. Yeah, he was fantastic. Right, exactly. So you're getting those runners on and the first thing people are thinking is, yep, he's got to hit a home run. My problem with that is, yes, I love to see home runs. I think they're incredible. I think especially if you have some really good pitchers on the mound, absolutely. But I think it makes you a better hitter and a better overall player if you play like DJ LeMahieu where you're not swinging for the fences and you are taking whatever pitch they're giving you and you are taking that opportunity to do what you can with that pitch because chances of you getting a meatball down the middle at 98 miles an hour and cranking it out of the park especially with a pitcher like Blake Snell even with a pitcher like Shane Bieber which they did get to um, that's something that you're probably not going to see fairly often so I hate the fact that people on Twitter, and I could be wrong, absolutely. I hate the fact that people on Twitter are saying, stop talking about small ball. I think you do need to talk about small ball because the game is not just about home runs. Right now, it seems like it is because that's all anyone's really doing. If the Yankees had runners that could steal bases, because let's think about it. How many of those actual base runners are considered fast? and would make it to second base. How many of those people, if you were to bet 75-25, 75 make it, 25 not make it, how many Yankees players would you put on that list? Oh, probably probably not many. I'm thinking Brett Gardner. I'm thinking Tyler Wade. Uh, probably probably nobody else, honestly. Clint Frazier might be able to get there. Um but I don't, I don't know if he's that fast. But when you got guys like Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge, you know, is definitely speedy for his size, but he's one of those guys that's probably going to hit a home run. You've also got Gary Sanchez, you know, who is not the fastest. Luke Voigt, who is also not the fastest, although he did lose a lot of weight and he looked pretty good running around bases. But, you know, Aaron Hicks, he's getting older. Like, the guy's probably not going to steal many more bases unless it's on defensive indifference or if it's a pitcher like Dellen Batanzas. So really, the small ball game, this team is not built for small ball. I think that's the key. Of course, I don't mind small ball. I love when they hit home runs. I love when they get a hit and run. Like, things like that. I just, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm coming from, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's valid. The, I think the thing that drives Yankees fans the most crazy is when they don't hit with runners in scoring position, which actually in 2020, they were pretty decent at. They were, uh, that was 2018's problem when we couldn't bring in a runner in scoring position to save our life. 
Uh, but you run into the Tampa Bay Rays with their three horses and one of the best bullpens in baseball that was pretty much specifically tailored to beat the Yankees. The Yankees are so, so righty heavy, and the Rays can roll out. Nick Anderson, Peter Fairbanks, Diego Castillo, guys who just dominate right-handers. I mean, that the home run that Aaron Judge hit off Nick Anderson in game five which was ended up being our only run of the game was only the second hit he gave up to a righty the entire year. So that's, I mean, are you, are you really think that this lineup can string together two or three hits off Nick Anderson if they really need to? I don't think so. I think you need to get, you need to get to the starter. Um, but the Rays aren't going to let you get to the starter. Cause if there's any whiff of trouble, they're going to take the starter out and they're going to go to their bullpen. So you fall into that same problem area where you're not going to score a lot of runs because this team excels at limiting hits. So how do you, how do you get runners on and how do you bring them in? You have to walk, you have to do damage on mistake pitches. You can't, you can't really just rely on your lineup to flip two bloop singles to score a run. It's just because it's probably more likely than not, not going to go that way. I think the other thing too, is that this team like I mentioned earlier, is not built as a small ball team. They are built for home run or bust. Like they took all of these home run hitters and they're like, yup, do your thing. This is what we need you to do. And I think, especially kind of seeing it towards the end of the playoffs, obviously the race pitching is incredible. The race pitching is great. But at the same time, even on those mistake pitches, everyone is flying out to center field. Everyone is flying out to the warning track because the only way that they see a mistake is to hit a home run. Yeah, I mean, they missed they missed a lot of hittable pitches too. And it's not, you know, the Yankees also didn't hit very well. So there's a combination of seeing guys who are seeing a bullpen that's specifically designed to keep you off the bases and also not hitting when you should be hitting. Um, so it's just, it, again, the Rays were the better team. That's what it comes down to. Offensively, the Yankees probably had an edge but the Rays pitching was able to shut that offense down and make it pretty much non-existent other than game one. I think anyone who has eyes can admit that um, the Tampa Bay Rays were the better team. If you can't, then you might just be super biased, which is, which yeah. is okay. I mean, listen, but, they won eight of 10 in the regular season and they beat us in the postseason. There's really, there's really not much you can say that would, be a realistic explanation as to why they hammered the Yankees so hard this year. You have to give credit where credit is due. And I don't care if they beat the Yankees. I don't care if they beat anyone else. Like they beat the Astros, which, but you know, it's just one of those things where I feel like not enough Yankees fans don't give the Rays enough credit. I still don't like them, but they're still a pretty damn good team. No, the thing I hate more than anything about the Rays is how aggressively cheap they are. And they have, they have a luxury that the Yankees don't, which is to trade all their star players and stack up on prospects and be bad for a couple of years. The Yankees don't have that. If the Yankees were under 500 for a year, everybody would get fired. That just doesn't happen for Tampa Bay. They can, they can spend all the time they want uh, developing prospects the way that they want them, developing who they want. Uh, and then having them all come up at the same time where they can say, all right, this is going to be our most analytically effective lineup. Okay. So where are we at next? Yadier Molina? 
to the Yankees? Mm, absolutely not. I do want, I want to hit Severino first, just to, just so we oh, don't sure. forget him. Uh, Luis Severino, it will reportedly not be back until June or July. And I just want to repeat again for everybody listening, take all the time that you need. I am done with the, with the constant Severino. Okay. He hurt this. He hurt this. He hurt this. Now just get him back fully healthy. Do not push him. Do not take any risks that might cause an injury to another part of his body. Just get him back when he's ready. Agree. Absolutely. Just be patient people. Like I'm fine with it. If he's going to wait until October, I mean, It'd be a long time, but if he's going to wait till October, come back and make the postseason roster and pitch lights out. Totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. We'll take a whole season without him. Okay. Totally fine. We'll survive. We'll be in the playoffs no matter what next year. Cause they're probably doing expanded playoffs again. Uh, so we'll be in the playoffs no matter what, just get Severino ready to go for the playoffs. I agree. Um, Absolutely. That should be fine. Ladies and gentlemen, just relax. Absolutely. Okay. To Yadier Molina, there was a little bit of buzz this week. I think it was something Molina said. I missed what it was, but there was some buzz that Yadier Molina to the Yankees might be a possibility. I don't think it's a possibility at all. Unless the Yankees are willing to trade Gary Sanchez, which they're not, we're not going to add a good, a good catcher to the roster. We're going to add some minor league depth. That's it. So for whatever reason, I just, when I heard Molina, I was like, oh my God, angels, but it's not. Didn't Benji, Benji played for the angels, correct? Benji Molina. Yeah. Yes. So for I think we had Jose Molina for a while too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking that and I was like, oh my God, can you imagine if the Yankees traded Gary Sanchez to Anaheim and he goes off and all of a sudden him and Mike Trout are like the two like young guns and they're going to sign him into an extensive contract and he's going to be the best catcher in the American League. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that. I'm just I'm just saying that's what I thought first. So. Yeah. Yeah, um interesting, very interesting. And he's kind of pissed today too because he was not on a on the Gold Glove finalist. Um he probably didn't he probably didn't deserve to be i i took a look at his at his defensive numbers let me let me take a look at him again let me pull him up again um yeah for outs above average he was a a clear zero nothing Uh, he didn't add anything he didn't subtract anything as average as a catcher you can get his framing's pretty good but you're not going to win a gold glove because you're a good framer um arm arm is not as good as it used to be uh he's just he got old I mean, this is, he's probably going to go down as one of the best defensive catchers in the history of the game. And he totally deserves that. He's just, I mean, he's in his late thirties. You can't be a gold Dude. glover forever. Dude, you're getting a, you're going to be in the hall of fame. Like there's honestly, yeah, like chill, bro. There's no doubt about it. So you know what, who cares about that golden freaking glove that you're going to just put up next to all your other awards and be like, Oh, I'm never going to stare at this again for like the, the rest of my life. Just relax. It's okay. He was Absolutely. also the second in MLB. Um, catchers and errors this year so yeah but it also it also brings up the point that Yadier Molina is a really big name but he's not nearly the catcher he used to be so the Yankees would be spending a a pretty big amount of money for probably a two-year contract to bring in somebody to take over Gary Sanchez's spot because 
the Yankees aren't going to give up Kyle Higashioka and he has no options. So you have to choose if you want Yadier Molina to come in, you have to either trade Gary Sanchez or you have to DFA Kyle Higashioka, neither of which the Yankees are going to do. And they're not going to carry, they're not going to carry three catchers, uh, even with expanded benches, because it's just, there's better places to use that spot. You don't need a third catcher. So Yadier Molina, just in general, the Yankees had a thing This was back in the early 2000s, though. You just got to remember, you know, had a thing for those players that are way past their prime, but they're like, yep, the name. Yeah, we want the name. Early 2000s. We're talking about like eight years ago, that 2012, Uh, 2013 lineups. Travis Hafner, Kevin Euclid, Vernon Wells, all in their late 30s. It expanded, too. I mean, even Edwin Encarnacion, but he was pretty good still. So, you know, Yeah, whatever. Encarnacion was still good. But that, I but, mean, you know, it just put those, the Yankees in such a bad spot. There are those guys that are, you know, looking at players that are past their prime, maybe even just by a couple of years, fucking A.J. Burnett. Like, uh-uh. No. It's, just, it's not going to happen. Let's just put Yadier Molina behind us. At this point, he's an average defensive catcher, and he's an average hitter at best. He's Listen, just not good enough. If it happens, if it happens, James will eat his shoe. But like, I'll eat my shoe. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll. I got a shoe. shoe. I got a shoe right up here. I got a shoe know, right is up it here. Clean or is it dirty? Oh, it's totally clean. That's it's Jordan's, Allison. I keep those clean. But yeah, well, I'll do the. No, get some dirty shoes. Make it make it more exciting. No, I'm doing the Danny. Sm- well, those are high tops, so that's going to be even harder to eat. But I'll do the Danny Small shoe bet. If the Yankees sign Yadier Molina, I will eat a shoe. Great. Okay, good. I'm marking this down. Absolutely. I pretty much just guaranteed he's going to sign with the Yankees because that's my luck. But whatever. Um, Hal Steinbrenner reiterated that Aaron Boone will absolutely be back in 2021. Obviously, Guys, we knew this. he's a good manager. He's a good manager. Obviously. We knew this. I mean, how, how did things change so ridiculously from 2009 to 2000 and, um, 2009, 2019? I don't even know what year it is. 2019 to 2020. I mean, he's still a good manager. The shortened season was really terrible for everyone. And he made a couple of mistakes. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And he'll be the first to own up to it. But I just don't understand what changed so significantly from the past two years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you always have to remember that Aaron Boone doesn't make the lineup. Uh, It's obviously the analytics department in the front office. So what you're really looking at is pinch hit decisions and mostly bullpen usage. Who did Boone have to go to in the bullpen this year? Uh, After you lose Tommy Canely, after Adam Adovino starts to just be terrible, you're really just looking at Chad Green, Zach Britton, and Aroldis Chapman. How are you going to bridge it to them? Jonathan Holder, Jonathan Loizaga? There's just, there weren't enough options for him. And he got beat on some of them. It wasn't the Yankees bullpen of old. Uh, people are going to point to pinch hitting Mike Ford in game five as a reason that Boone should be fired. It's just well, it's a questionable decision, but you know, absolutely a questionable decision. But uh, that's, that's over managing. If you're pinch hitter, Mike Ford is actually a decent pinch hitter usually, but then yeah. again, you're coming to the game cold. So whatever, whatever you choose, pinch hitting is hard. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's the big thing about analytics. The one thing that I don't subscribe to, which we saw in game two with Davey Garcia Mm -hmm. and Jay Happ, is yes, the numbers say this will work, but you also have to remember that there is a very real human being that you're managing, and maybe that human being is not going to be in a comfortable position to give their best effort. So Mike Ford, after not hitting for two weeks, 
Uh, even though it's a favorable matchup, you get a power bat lefty against uh, uh, in to face a righty, and you say, okay, maybe he runs into one, maybe he doesn't. But he doesn't hit for two, three weeks ahead of time, and he wasn't hitting that well to begin with. So how much confidence do you really have in Mike Ford, the human being, to be able to block that out in his mind and say, okay, I know what I'm here for. I know I have to work an at-bat and drive something uh, out of the ballpark. He's just, I just don't think he can do that. Uh, Jay Happ was very clear that he did not like the game two plan. He wanted to start that game himself. And to Jay Happ's credit, he probably earned that start. I think I would have preferred if Davey Garcia just got the start um, or either one of them really, instead of the plan that they did. But the analytics say this is the better move because the Rays will put more lefties in the lineup and that will benefit Jay Happ as the long man. But Jay Happ wasn't comfortable coming in the second inning. He's never done that before. So sometimes the analytics overmanage human beings, um, which, I mean, you can't totally put that on Boone. In Aaron Boone's defense as well, I mean, Clint Frazier came in to pinch hit already in the playoffs too, and he struck out on three pitches. Like, honestly, that's kind of the type of player that Clint Frazier is when he comes in to pinch hit. So you have to think about not just the numbers, like you mentioned, you're managing a human being and each person reacts to different situations differently. Some players have the clutch gene, like Jorge Posada was a really, really good uh, pinch hitter. I mean, you have some guys that are just good at that. Enrique Wilson. I just love Enrique Wilson. He was always a good pinch hitter. Raul Banyas. Exactly. So you have some guys that are able to do that. And I think it's, it went down a lot more than people think that like, oh, Mike Ford might've had better numbers. Well, not just that, but Aaron Boone is watching every single pinch hit at bat that these guys are put in and seeing how they're analyzing each situation. So I trust him. If that's what he wants to do, I was kind of like, okay, I could see something happening. When I heard Clint Frazier might be coming up, I was like, okay, well, he struck out last time he pinch hit on three pitches and he just looked terrible. I, you know, maybe he just doesn't like to come into the game cold. I don't blame him. Yeah, some people just can't do it. Um, and along those same along those same lines, we had A-Rod saying he doesn't understand the opener. Listen, Jay Happ was not the right person to put after Davey Garcia in an opener game. But the opener is an effective strategy. We saw the Yankees do it all the time with Chad Green and Nestor Cortez Jr. Pretty well. It worked pretty well for them. They At one point, they had won like 11 straight starts using Chad Green and a, and a bulk guy as the opener. Um, so it works. Even in the playoffs, it works. But you just have to have the roster construction to be able to do it, which the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers have a really good bullpen. They have that option. Uh, it didn't work out for them in game two when they opened with Tony Gonsolin. It didn't work out for them. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, maybe at this point in the year, the bullpen's just a little too gassed to be doing that. Who knows? But it is still a valid uh, strategy to use. Well, I think also the other thing, too, is when you think back to the Yankees, uh, was it game game two? Game yeah, two of the, uh, the um, DS. Yeah. So the other thing, when you think back to game two, you know, the Yankees, they put in De- Davey Garcia and then they put in Jay Happ. Both guys are our starters. OK, so Jay Happ is used to coming into the game not having, you know, a deficit yet. 
he's used to coming in at zero zero, and he's yeah, like, he gets a clean right, game to work with. Let's go with it. Let's like he's he's the starter. So I think it was different when the Yankees had Nestor Cortez and Chad Green, two guys that know that they're in the bullpen and they know how to manage that. I think once you put Davey Garcia in, especially for one inning, we all know how we feel about that. But then put happen when he's already down a run, and then also giving him like, oh, we expect you to go like five or six innings that's going to throw things off. Like, I don't, I don't like how they use that. If they used Jay hat first and then maybe went to Davey Garcia, maybe it would have been better. I don't know, but like, just give Jay Happ the start or give Davey Garcia a few more innings to work things through. Don't try and, you know, finagle, like we said, these are human beings. They're not just players and stats. Absolutely. Um, Okay, I think that will wrap up the obsessive analytics talk that we did this week because, <laughs> oh boy, it was a lot. Uh, last thing I have for Yankees news, uh, just a PSA for Yankees fans who don't like Glaber as the shortstop, get used to it. If the Yankees bring back DJ LeMayhew, Glaber Torres will be the shortstop because Luke Voigt will be the first baseman and Gio Urshela will be the third baseman. So you either have to decide, do you want to let Glaber go or do you want him to play shortstop and just be a bad defensive shortstop who hopefully gets back into his hitting rhythm? I don't want to take anything away from this small sample size that we saw for bad performances. Uh, even exceedingly good performances, I'd be wary of because you don't know how that holds up over the course of a year. So it's just, it's too difficult to judge a player on 2020s stats. Does that mean that Gleyber Torres is going to be a good shortstop? No, he probably isn't. Maybe he'll be a league average shortstop at some point in his career. Probably won't stick at shortstop for his entire career. Probably get moved to third base or move back to second base once DJ's time is done. Um, but for 2021, Gleyber Torres is going to be playing shortstop every single day. So let's just get used to it. I agree. Love Glaber Torres. You guys wanted him and you guys were saying never trade this man. So let him work through his issues. He'll be okay. Never trade him. All right. Fun stuff for the Yankees. The Coles and Tanaka's went on a double date. I've never been more confident in my entire life that Masahiro Tanaka will be back in 2021 and spend the rest of his career in pinstripes. <laughs> I love it. It was the cutest picture ever, too. Like, I really enjoyed, like I said before, watching the wives and girlfriends and Yankees Twitter interact. And I love, love, love seeing Garrett Cole, the bonafide ace, and Masahiro Tanaka, the older ace, um, you know, come together and probably talk shop a little bit. And just hopefully Garrett Cole's convincing him to come back to the Bronx because I need you as my number two. I, I'd be okay with it. Absolutely. Um, Susan Waldman, who I want to be her best friend. Uh, I want to be Susan okay. Waldman's best friend forever, uh, is donating proceeds from her national anthem download. She put it on Apple Music, put it on Spotify, donating the proceeds to City Meals on Wheels. So Susan Waldman, excellent person. Uh, go download her national anthem on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever else you can find it and feed hungry people. Absolutely. Agreed. She is amazing. Um, Meredith Morakovitz is already her best friend, but I feel I'm taking, like I'm coming for, for the spot. One. I'm coming for the spot. There's room for another one. There's room for so many more. Yeah. Well, we just all three be best friends. I'm fine with that. And... Uh, okay. We can all be four be best friends. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, they just seem like they have the most fun together. Like I just, I admire, I, they inspire me. I admire them. 
Ugh. Absolutely. Um, all right. Last thing I have for Yankees, uh, Jason Dominguez is posting more highlight videos of him just working out and hitting in the cages, and it's going to get us through the long, cold winter. Uh, Jason Dominguez is going to be the greatest player that baseball has ever known. I've never been more confident. I mean, this guy is built like a fucking tank. Absolutely. He looks just like he could destroy worlds. He's Thanos, but like good. Good Thanos. Oh, he's going to be Thanos, Thanos for the rest of the league. But Yo, can I call him Good Thanos? Good Thanos. Yeah, that's all yours. The alien Good Thanos. Thanos is an alien, right? Yeah. Isn't that his nickname? Thanos? No. No, the Martian. <laughs> the Martian. That's yeah. good. Well, alien, you know. It's close enough. It's Trademark. close enough. Trademark. Trademark it. Okay, yeah, we'll make some shirts up and uh, we'll just... We'll do a, we'll turn that into a segment, just a good Thanos update. And it'll just be, what did Jason Dominguez post on Instagram this week? Absolutely. And hey, um, just so you're aware, Brandon Cuddy just found Clint Frazier's tweet from 2009 when he said, I saw that. Guys, a DH, and then <laughs> quote tweeted and said, and a gold glove finalist. And I just, full circle, full, full circle. I love it. Love it. Clint Frazier getting that love. Uh, props to Cuddy for going all the way back for that. That was a smart move. I for, totally forgot about that interaction. Goes to um, DH. Yeah. Um, all right. World Series update. We'll do this real quick because we talked a lot more about the Yankees than I thought we were going to, uh, given that there's no Yankees season currently going on. <laughs> uh, Clayton Kershaw threw a gem in game one, uh, finally kind of putting that postseason choke behind him. Maybe. Who knows? He might get a chance to close it out in game five. Uh, So that would be huge both for his career and for the Dodgers. Uh, So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, Mookie Betts, as mentioned earlier, got everybody free tacos. Way to go, Mookie. I won't be partaking because of the aforementioned aversion to what comes after the free taco. Because I don't trust free tacos and nobody should. But way to get everybody free tacos. Absolutely. And I'm so glad we can finally cheer for Mookie Betts because like, just as a Red Sox, I didn't feel like I could. And I'm just like able to respect him so much more, just his talent and everything. Like now that I don't have to worry about him coming up to the plate. Absolutely. I will say people are starting to take it a little too far already. We're getting some who's better Mike Trout or Mookie Betts comparisons. It's Mike Trout. It's Mike Trout. All right. Mookie's great. Probably the second best player in the league. But let's just leave it there because we we already know who's the best player and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Tyler Class now, as we mentioned earlier, got left out to die in game one of the World Series for 110 plus pitches. I can't even remember how many he threw. And the Rays had guys warming up in the bullpen. I kept thinking, all right, this is it. They're definitely going to go to Yarbrough now. They're definitely going to go to Curtis now. No? Okay. They're just going to leave Glass now out there to get hammered again. Um I don't understand because they had two days off before game one of the world series. So how gassed could their bullpen possibly have been from the AL, uh, from the ALCS? I understand. They were just super distracted by uh, glass. Now just wavy, perfect hair. Yeah. He looks like, I mean, glass now, very handsome guy. No, he's no Tyler Wade, but he's no Kevin Kiermaier. Let's talk about this real quick. I know this, this just has to be quick. 
Um, I did see a tweet the other day where someone was like, uh, yeah, Kevin Kiermeyer is definitely more attractive than Tyler Glass now. The Tyler Glass now stands were so mean. And I was like, <laughs> he's kind of I kind of see it. I kind of see it. I mean, the eyes, like, it's the eyes. It's the no, eyes nothing like the eyes of Peter Fairbanks, who looks like, I mean, he looks like a lemur. A great pitcher, but he looks like a lemur when he's looking in for the signs. Now, Kevin Kiermeyer, most beautiful eyes in the game, can confirm. Can confirm. Not as handsome as Tyler Wade, though. Never going to say Absolutely he's as handsome not. as Tyler Wade. Nobody Tyler Wade's is. the most Absolutely handsome not. in the entire league. Uh, Brandon Lau finally starting to get it together. He had two home runs last night. Uh, so that would be pretty big for the Rays if he could get going since he was their best hitter by far in the regular season. His OPS was 100 points higher than any other starter. And he's just been a black hole offensively in the postseason. Absolutely. And Wander Franco, top prospect in all of baseball, most exciting prospect who will absolutely be arriving in 2021, set the Twitter world on fire when he posted a picture of his World Series jersey. He's not on the team. He's not on the roster. Uh, But for a second there, I thought Wander Franco might be making his debut in the World Series, and I got hyped. Everyone thought that. I mean, it was pretty obvious the way he did it. We're like, is is this a real thing? Like, they haven't even announced the rosters yet. But, yeah, everyone – you were not the only one that was bamboozled. We were all bamboozled. We were all bamboozled. Um, All right, so we'll wrap up stuff that's going around around Major League Baseball. Uh, Rob Manfred, still the worst. Just sucks. Uh, Wants to keep the extra innings runner and the expanded playoffs. I hate it. It's stupid. Agreed. 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 Uh, Jeff Lunau, still the worst. Agreed. Don't think we even have. Don't think we even have to go into detail on At that. Everybody. Don't. Yeah. If you if you're listening to this podcast, you're already well aware that Jeff Lunau is a piece of shit. Uh, Steve Cohen got approved by the owners to buy the Mets, and there's, it's not finalized yet, and I'm still trying to figure out how this works. Apparently. Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, has the power to veto the sale to Steve Cohen, and he publicly backed A-Rod when it was still in bidding. So there's like this slight possibility that the Mets might not get Steve Cohen as their owner. It's, I mean, it should happen. It's like 99.9% sure definitely going to happen, but that 0.1%, like that's where Mets fans live. That's where they live. Oh, absolutely. You kind of have to if you're a Mets fan because – the 0.1% has happened before. Absolutely. I would laugh burned. like Luis Castillo. I would laugh mm-hmm. so fucking hard if Bill de Blasio denied the Mets Steve Cohen. That would be the funniest thing that has ever happened. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Chris Bassett wants middle relievers to get a little more love for the reliever of the war, uh, reliever of the year award. And he's got a little bit of a point. Uh, Nick Anderson was not included in the voting this year. It's all closers. It's the finalists are Liam Hendricks from Bassett's Oakland A's, uh, Alex Colomay from the White Sox, and Brad Hand from the Cleveland Indians. And Nick Anderson's not involved. Jake Diekman was also shockingly good. Um, He mentioned Jesse Hahn who only gave up four hits all year, but didn't really, he didn't really dominate hitters the way other guys do. But this is a problem in baseball. Middle relievers don't get love when it comes time for the reliever of the year award. Very true. And you know what? I remember Brad Hand. Yeah, I remember Brad Hand too. I think, uh, I think we did okay off him. Yeah, I think we did okay off him. (laughs) I enjoyed that. 
Uh, Justice Sheffield might be a little bit better than we gave him credit for. We might have lost yeah. the James Paxton trade, given that Paxton was has been consistently injured and is now going to be a free agent. And Justice Sheffield this year finally started to look like the pitcher that we were hoping he would become. Specifically, his walk rate, he lowered it to 8.6%. Uh, which is a lot lower than I think anybody expected him to because that was his big problem. He couldn't, couldn't control, had right, no command exactly. of the fastball. Um, so maybe he's going to be a great pitcher. The Seattle Mariners are putting together a really, really good young team uh, with some really exciting prospects coming up soon. And of course you had to end with Fernando Tatis because I just, Absolutely. I knew it. Absolutely I... had to end on it. Fernando Tatis Jr. was pitching to his mom, uh, first pitch he threw was a little low. She spat on it, talked some shit, said, why don't you bring that in the zone next time? Tatis throws a challenge pitch. She hits it to the far corner of the yard, walks all the way to the mound, and then bat flips in his face. So disrespectful. I loved it. Right in her wheelhouse. That was pretty hilarious to watch. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. You have anything else? I do not. Um, uh, I you think know, we covered literally everything. Yeah. I mean, the, the best part is, like, even though the Yankees aren't playing, we had so much Yankees to talk about. Which is <laughs> we were talking about the Yankees for, like, 45 minutes. I was, I was like, scraping the bottom of the barrel for stuff to talk <laughs> about. Like, ah, what are we going to get? Like, half an hour. Give me half an hour out of this. I know. I was like, I don't know how long this podcast is going to last. But listen, we did it. We did we, it, We always find a way. We have to be up towards, like, 55 minutes now. I, every oh, week, absolutely. I'm worried about how we're going to get to an hour. And every week, we get to an hour. And I find myself at, like, the 50-minute mark being like, all right, let's, let's speed it up a little. Because there's a lot of topics that I definitely want to cover here. But we don't really have that much time left. Well, we just know how to talk. That's all that matters. Absolutely. We know how to talk. All right. That'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Express your Yankee sadness. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good to me. All right. See you. Bye.